We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan, let's dive into the mailbags. We have a lot of good questions obviously coming up, and we have a couple thank yous here. Uh, Kay Grant with a big super chat. Thank you very, very much. The shirt makes an appearance because, yes, I do believe Micah Gilbert is part of a, is a gap closer uh, from the standpoint of he makes this team better. He makes this unit better, and it's more about you're now looking at a receiver unit that absolutely closes the gap. No question about it. This and Notre Dame's now done that two years in a row. You got to hold on to them. That's always a thing, but uh, certainly, certainly a big one. We thank you for that super chat very, very much. And then Anthony Solomon also with super chat. Thanks for the excellent coverage of Notre Dame football. You are very, very, very welcome. Uh, Bobby Halfacre says, "Love the show, guys. Smash the like button and let's go Irish." Absolutely. So we thank you for that as well. So Ryan, I'm going to read these questions because a lot of them are recruiting questions. So I'm going to give you a shot to kind of to, to take answers at them. So I'll go ahead and uh, read those a uh, little mix up or a little change it from what we normally do. There'll be a couple that I'll have you read that are directed towards me. But let's start with this one from John DeCrisio. He says, what happened to the Ryan Wingo recruitment? Thought we had a pretty good chance at one time, but now never hear much about it. I mean, I mean, John, we've talked about the Ryan Wingo stuff over the last few weeks on the podcast. We've talked about it on the message board a ton. I mean, it basically, the traction was lost. And Ryan Wingo said in a recent interview that he wants a track that's going to get him drafted high in the NFL and developed properly in, in that regard. And the, the track record for Notre Dame at wide receiver over the last few years, Ryan already hinted at this during the show, is it's not quite to that degree, right? Like that's not the school that you're going to go to necessarily if you want that easy track to being an NFL wide receiver. Hopefully it gets to that to that that road at some point or to that level. But right now, that's just kind of not where it is. And I really do think that, in my opinion, throughout this entire process, I thought Ryan Wingo really liked Notre Dame a lot, especially early on in this process. I think that there was a lot of things that make sense from Wingo from he's a Midwest kid, he's a high academic kid, he's a really soft-spoken, nice, polite dude that I think would have fit perfectly at Notre Dame from a – just personality perspective and everyone that I've talked to close to him, I, I think kind of, you know, reciprocates that, right. It's like that he would be a tremendous fit at Notre Dame. It's just the simple fact of 
football is important to him and being an NFL player is important to him. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just what it is for Ryan Winko. And I said, maybe a month and a half ago, I was like, I remember saying on a recruiting hour show, probably multiple times that if Ryan Winko doesn't visit Notre Dame in the next couple weeks, the next few weeks, things over with, right? Because at some point, the things that matter most to him came to the forefront and he loved a lot of what Notre Dame had to offer, but they didn't have everything on his list that he felt was important to his recruitment. So it's kind of where you are with Wingo. It just wasn't an all-around fit for everything Notre Dame can offer. I think that he loved a lot of what they could, but there was something missing right. that he just didn't want to take a gamble on, obviously, right now. And and that doesn't make him a bad kid. It doesn't mean he's a money grabber. It just means the fit wasn't there for him. They And that, there's that's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ICURN with Irish Luck, thank you very much for the super chat. And he asks, Ryan, what do you guys think about the An- Anquan Bolden as a comp more powerful than fast? I, I like the comparison from an after-catch perspective because that is also how Anquan won a ton, both at Florida State and in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals. Like He was that densely put – I mean, he was like 6'1", 215, 220 pounds, and he was just a thick dude, right? And after the catch, he was a tough guy to handle, man, because he was just incredibly physical, competitive, broke a lot of tackles – so I see a little bit of the similarities there. I just think they have different body types and they're a little bit of a different route runner for me. Like I just think that Mike is a little bit more of that high cut, can really sink when he's when he's technically sound and be able to get in and out of brace, can play a little bit more inside out. Anquan was a little bit squattier, a little bit more just kind of sawed off, but he could really roll in and out of breaks really well. But I think he was just a little bit of a different athlete put together-wise. But I do like the comparison from an after-catch perspective. Yeah, I, I think you could, you could see the strength profile being cl- – because it's hard to compare him at the same age because Antoine Anquan was a quarterback in high school. So it'd be – I mean, even if I had access to his high school film, I would have no way to compare them as athletes. A- Anquan was a bowling ball. I mean, he was a powerful dude – 
And I think I think Micah has a chance to be similar. Now, I think the strength profile could fit very well. But Anquan was a pretty strong guy. And and as you mentioned after the catch, I think some similarities there, Ryan. Here's another thing for for people. Anquan Bolden, do you know me a thousand do you know how many thousand yard seasons Anquan Bolden had in the NFL? The answer is seven. In seven, seven seasons, he had two years of at least a hundred catches, and he had to see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years of at least 80 catches in the National Football League. He ran a four seven three at the combine. So it wasn't fast. again. It wasn't fast. And, and why does that matter? At some positions, you you cannot be that much slower than the norm at your position and still be successful. A, a cornerback can, in my opinion, unless you're playing in a pure zone defense, a corner can't be a four six five and be successful in the NFL unless he's got something unique. Like a Richard Sherman was a unicorn. He could do that. There's a lot of high four five, low four six guys in the NFL right now. And the reason why you see that at a receiver and not corner is because receiver is so much more dependent upon skill. Not that corners can't be, it's not important for corners to be skilled. It is, but a corner, there's a greater need for the raw athleticism, the raw speed that you just need because you're playing catch up. Receiver always knows where he's going. A corner doesn't always, you have to have that recovery speed. And so precision and skill and, and the craft is so the craft is important at corner. My point is, Ryan, the craft can overcome a lack of speed at receiver in a way that it cannot at corner and safety and linebacker to a degree. Linebacker you used to be able to, but now where the, the it's such a spread out game, it's harder for a guy to that, that runs a 4-8 to be successful like he could have 10, 15, 20 years ago. And that's why that's why I don't obsess over speed as much for a receiver as I do for a corner, a, a linebacker, safety, or in, in to some degrees, you know, certain other positions, but it's just not as important at receiver. It's nice. It's nice to have it when you got it, but it's not a requirement that if you don't have it, you're just not going to be successful. That's my point. All right, let's go to the next one here from Archie's Boys. First, thank you, Archie's Boys. First time catching a live show. Brian and Ryan, you guys are solid analysts. Thank you. And I appreciate that you provide detailed perspective and aren't afraid to criticize when needed. Thank you, Archie Boys. Appreciate, appreciate that. that. Here's one from Brandon Plesner, Ryan. Has Joe Rudolph and Notre Dame made any headway with Liam Andrews? I actually like him over Prescott and would love to pair him with Gilbert. Um, I hope he, Gearby, I think is what he meant to say. Uh, I hope he's someone the staff is strongly looking at still. Well, well, he's definitely on the board, Brandon, and they were out recently to see him. We we haven't gotten a tremendous update as far as how that's gone, but I mean, I've talked to Liam a couple of times over the last couple months, and I I just think it's going to be a hard pull for whatever reason. Like, I'm not saying that it's going to be like unrealistic or it's not going to end up being a guy that they could potentially make headway with, but just I, I just don't. It just doesn't feel like he's overly interested at the moment. But again, that could change depending upon how the recent visit went, if they can get him on campus sometime soon. He's another player that, that has just never been on campus at Notre Dame either, which is just, you know, there, there's there's things that need to happen, I think, for him to make headway there. But I, I think that you're in a situation where the staff is sure trying. I mean, he's on the board and he, they were just out to see him. So they're doing their best. It's just as of right now, I just don't know if there's a ton of traction there at the moment. I would like to see them get some traction because I like him quite a bit. I think you and I are both talented. extremely high on him as a player. Very yep. talented player. No doubt about it. I, I would play him at tackle. I think he could play tackle at the next level. I really Ag- agree. Agree. 
Nathan Milton says, uh, how many times in recent years can you remember Notre Dame having two five-star recruits being so active in recruiting? Well, it's recently. Uh, the 2021 class had two five-star recruits for most of the time. Tyler Buckner didn't drop out of being a five-star until later on after he missed his senior year. But early on, Tyler was considered a five-star. So was Blake Fisher yeah. uh, by rival. So, I mean, it, it's been recent. The difference is between this and that is Tyler was more of a behind-the-scenes recruiter. And he was from San Diego where CJ and Cam can literally hop in their cars and in less than two hours be on Notre Dame's campus. And that's the difference. What allows Notre Dame to, to, because they can be there anytime they need to be, as long as they're, you know, CJ wasn't able to come a lot because of the seven on seven stuff. But once that was over with, you're seeing CJ on campus and playing a big role. So um, that's the big difference. It's that right there, Ryan. It's the fact that that guy, those guys are, are close by. And last year, you had Keon was a five-star, and Drake Bowen was very highly ranked. And, I mean, it wasn't quite a five-star, but you've had some big guys like that. It's just getting those guys that are close by is a huge part. of, it. And it also helps as far as keeping those guys in the class because you can just kind of have them down whenever you need to, and it makes it easier to keep that relationship. Where a kid in Tampa or in Texas, it's, it can be a little harder to do that. Yep. Irish Shytown asks, Brian and Ryan, is Micah Gilbert as strong as he appears in the game film I've seen? He seems to be very strong for a wideout, but I'm not sure what type of talent he's playing against. I mean, so we hit on the talent, Irish Shytown. It's it's good talent down there. So he's playing against some really good football teams. You know, we, we talked about a couple of the teams in the area that are tremendous, obviously. You know, he's playing against guys like Jane Davis and David Sanders. And so there's a talent pool down there in North Carolina. So I think for me, he is playing against really strong competition. Is he as strong as he appears? I would say so, man. I, I think that he that's one of the best parts of Micah Gilbert's game, in my opinion, is the fact that he is such a physical wide receiver, both after catch, at the catch points, playing back shoulder game. He's a really strong football player. Agree. Agree. We have a super chat down here, Ryan, from DJ Holman. Thanks, DJ. DJ asks on three. I love how he puts the presence. I know. <laughs> this is on three released a list of top 10 running back groups in college football today, and Notre Dame was not in it. With Diggs, there was no question, but do you still see this as a top 10 running back unit? I do, but I'm biased. I, I want to pull, see if I can find that ranking. I don't read on three, so let me just. Let me just pull up that ranking, Ryan, and, and I'll give you my top 10. Uh, give you the top 10. Number one is Michigan. Number two is Alabama. Number three is Penn State. Number four is Ohio State. Number five is Ole Miss. That's an interesting one. Number six is Arkansas. Um, number seven is Georgia. Oof. Number eight is Florida State. Nine is Oregon. And 10 is Auburn. And then honorable mention was Wisconsin, Tennessee, and Florida. I, I don't. I, I'm I'm having a hard time with Wisconsin not being on there based on some of these other groups they have on there. But um, I mean, looking at this, absolutely Notre Dame needs to be on there when you consider some of the teams that they have on there, Ryan. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, they're, they, they're, they, they're, they should definitely be on there. There's a little bit more of a projection for Notre Dame's side of the yeah. argument now, but like the talent, I mean, there's projection for some of those other teams that you just named yeah. as well that are on the list. Yeah. So. I mean, Oregon's banking on what a guy from the Big Ten coming over and 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 playing for them, right? The, the Bucky, yeah. Ir, the Bucky Irving kid, right? Is that who they got? Or well, no, nah, he was get? there last year. He was, he was there last year. year? Okay, yeah, he had a pretty um, good year for them. I mean, they got him, and then what? No Whittingham. They're talking Jane about a Lamar. freshman, you know, like Jane mm-hmm. Lamar. 
you know, Auburn's got a nice group. I'm sorry. It's not as good as Notre Dame's group. You know, some of these I, I get. Like, I get Michigan. I mean, Michigan has, to me, I, I think you could bring up with Michigan, okay, what's behind their top two? But, like, if you're if you're having to go to number three to try to tear Michigan's class down, you're like, uh, hmm. They lost the best running back in college football last year, production-wise, right, as far as impact on the team and Blake Corm, arguably the best running back. And the dude that comes off the bench – rushes for 200 yards against Ohio State. Uh, they're pretty good there, right? Maybe my three and four might be better, but your my one and two are not even close. I think they absolutely deserve to be in the number one. I think Ohio State would have an argument, Ryan, if it wasn't for um, the fact that uh, their backs were so banged up last year. I mean, that yeah. was a, a big part of it. I mean, Mayan Williams was banged up last year. Travion Henderson was banged up last year. I think Alabama at two is a little high. I think Alabama too is more about recruiting rankings than it is about necessarily great proven production. Yeah. It's a you know, you talk about projection, Ryan, you talked yeah. about projection. I mean, Jason McClellan was good player last year, six, five, 655 yards, 5.9 per carry. I mean, honestly, Logan, Logan Diggs actually produced as a runner right on par with what Jameer Gibbs produced last year. So you he's gone. And so you got J- Roydell Williams had 255 yards last year. Jamorian Miller had 223 yards last year. Uh, they got the two talented freshmen. But you're projecting, to me, you're projecting every bit as much for Alabama as you are Notre Dame because here's the difference between Notre Dame and Alabama. Notre Dame has a proven number one. Bama doesn't. You're assuming Jason McClellan can be that, but I don't think that's a given, especially with his injury history. And I'm definitely not putting Alabama's group ahead of Penn State's group right now. Because nah. I think you can make a case that the, be- the best back in the Big Ten last year, in my opinion, was Blake Corum, and it's an easy conversation. Yep. It's not a given Blake Corum's going to be the best running back in the Big Ten this year. And a lot of people are going to, oh, Travion Henderson. Travion's got to prove to me he can, he's healthy first, right? I can see Nicholas Singleton being the best running back in the Big Ten this year when it's all said and done, right? And as and so to me, I I take Penn State's group over Alabama's group. If Ohio State's group is healthy, that's a pretty darn good group as well. I wouldn't be shocked if Nicholas Singleton's in the conversation as the best running back in college football after this yeah. season. Like if he takes a yeah. Dijon Robinson type jump as a sophomore, like I wouldn't be shocked yeah. at all. Like it's very possible. Yeah. And look, if if he wasn't there, we'd be talking about Katron Allen being a thousand yard back coming into the season. I mean, good at least I would anyway. Uh, I would certainly have him in that conversation. Ole Miss, you're basically just looking at okay, Quinshawn Junkins is a dude, which is fine. I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with him being in there. Their other guys are, are good players, but I mean that's more about Quinshawn than it is anything else. But to not even have Notre Dame honorable mention to me seems a little bit misguided and a little bit um uh, incorrect, but Notre Dame's back's got to go prove it. I mean, you just lost an 800-yard rusher. I understand people are going to be a little bit that more down on the, the running back group. I would have liked to see what this looks, list looked like before Diggs jumped into the portal. Because yeah. I'd be willing to bet you 20 bucks they still wouldn't have had Notre Dame in the top 10, the way the way that on three works. But, look, DJ, I, I'm I'm in the part now where I'm, I will confidently say I still believe Notre Dame has one of the five to seven best backfields in college football. I, I do. I'm not, but it's it like Ryan said. It requires a lot more projection now because part of this is I was way higher on Jadarian Price than most people are coming out. I mean, a lot of people had him top 200. I thought I had him as a top 100 player. I think Jabron Payne's a bit of a forgotten guy. People forget he was a four star player coming out of high school, and then of course you have Jeremiah Love. 
So if you're going to base it off of recruiting rankings, yeah, I mean, Notre Dame should even still even then be in this conversation, right? Because Jabron Payne was a four-star guy. Jadarian was a four-star guy. And Jeremiah Love was a top 100 guy. So no matter how you slice it, Notre Dame should be in there based on talent. But at the same time, what has the guys behind Audric Estimate done in college? Nothing. I don't think they have a single carry at running back uh, behind him in college. Am I correct on that? I don't think Jabron carried the ball last year, did he? Let me go he look. Did not. I think he was just back on. He carried kickoff it twice, once, right? Oh, carried it twice. So you, yeah. Huh. So your entire probably against BC. I bet you it was BC gotcha. game. Yeah, because we couldn't see who was on the field at that point, <laughs> so we couldn't <laughs> see who was carrying the ball. But your your production behind Audric Estime is two carries for five yards. So with that in mind, I'm not going to hammer them for not having Notre Dame in the top ten. I think they should at least be honorable mention. But I'd still have them that high. Because I think with running backs, Ryan, if we were talking about receivers or like I won't I won't argue that Notre Dame's receiving core is in the top 10, even though you can make a case that they have a top 10 roster of receivers. But receiver to me is a position where I need to see it a little bit more, even though it's a position that younger guys can make a quicker transition. But with running back, it's I don't need to see you have ever carried the ball in college before. Like it's just one of those positions where if you got the skills, man, you're gonna make a quick transition. But at yep. the same time, I, I'm just I'm not going to hammer them for that list. I think there'd be some nitpicks. I think Notre Dame should be in there. But with that right, stat right there, two two carries for five yards is all you have after estimate. I'm not going to kill them for not having Notre Dame in there. I would say where I would crush you is if you have a top ten of individual running backs and you don't have Audric Estimate. That's where I would have a little bit harder time um, buying that list. You know, he's got production over 900 yards, over thousand yards of total offense, eleven touchdowns almost six yards of carry. He should be in the top 10, but I'm not going to hammer on three for not having them in there, even though I think they are. Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? Would you still have yeah, in the I mean, top I, 10 I, right now? I, I would, yeah, because I, I think a couple of the teams that you talked about, it's like they, they have one proven commodity and then not much behind them. And I think what you're talking about Notre Dame, it's, it's kind of the same boat, right? And I think that when you look at Aldrich Estimate going from sophomore to junior year, I expect him to take a huge jump, but – when you just evaluate the rest of the room, I mean, you mentioned Alabama for one, right, Brian? It's like you have one guy that is a substantial returner, but, I mean, Jason McCollum wasn't even as productive as Audrey Estimate last year. Like, he right. wasn't even as, as productive as him. You have that comparison, and then after that, you just said you only have two carries after that after Audrey Estimate. Well, the Alabama running backs have Roydell Williams, who's a solid little player, and they have nothing from the freshman running backs yet. Like, yeah. you have no idea – so what you're there, saying, right, Bama's two guys have the same amount of yards as Aldrich Estimate did. So if we're just going to talk about total production, to your point, that's a good point, Ryan. It's a very good point. Yeah. It's a very good point because the rest of it's the rest of it's um, you know I think they're slightly ahead because I think Jam uh, Miller had a little bit last year, but yeah, it's it's not a lot. But I still have him there. I still have yeah. him there. Good good question, DJ, and thank you for the super chat. Very very much. Uh, Matt Matthew uh, Brosha asks, how is this class shaping up compared to when the season just ended? Is it right where you expected it to be reasonably, or are you concerned with some of the guys we are not in on? I, I think for me, it's definitely a little bit different, Matthew, but I think that that's always how it tends to happen, right? Like they're, they're, those swings always happen. There's guys that 
or get just get on the radar, the camp circuit guys, the guys that come to campus and you need to kind of eye them up and, you know, just kind of put them through the ringer a little bit. Like this stuff always happens, man. Boards expands, guys fall out of favor, guys rise. Like it always happens. So, yeah, it's definitely a little bit different. I'll, I'll say this as far as how I feel about it, though. I just did a little bit of a mock class earlier, kind of using the 247 class calculator. And uh, and for guys that we just feel pretty good about potentially ending in Notre Dame's class, if it ends up the way that I think it potentially can and most likely will, I think Notre Dame is going to be in a really good spot when we get to National Signing Day. So I'm not concerned. I I think that concern is definitely not where I am. There are a couple positions that have me a little bit nervous i guess as far as you know potentially close it on some guys yeah but i think that they're they're in a good spot though i think they are it's it's definitely been a, a little bit of a roller coaster but that's the recruiting world nowadays man there's gonna be some roller coaster moments i'll say this ryan uh running back quarterback receiver where you expected to be tight end where you expected to be defensive lines better than they like significantly better than where it ended i i thought they'd get bryce young but after that it was a little shaky they had faded with justin scott for a little bit feel good about that one again i think the defensive line is coming along three four months ago i didn't think elijah rushing was a guy that notre dame had much of a shot with they're looking much better there now long way to go if you'd have told me notre dame was going to get logan thomas out of texas i said no chance now they're in the conversation there they're in it with him i didn't have a clue who freaking cole mullins was you know, so I didn't know his film and, and how much I would like it. So I was really concerned about that. It's much better than I thought it would be. Corners in a good place. The positions I'm I'm still concerned about linebacker, but it's looking better now than it was two months ago. But there's still zero guys in the class, so it's about to close. The position I would say, the two positions I would say I feel worse now than I did when the season ended, because there are some, if we're going to be honest, offensive sure. line and safety. I'm yeah. a lot more concerned about those two positions right now than I was when the season ended, especially offensive line. Now, again, that's just where we are now. It's about the finish. I'm just being honest about where I am right now because I thought Matthew asked a good question. And overall, I'm, I think they're trending in a good place because, Ryan, I did the same thing on rivals. I added the points up with the just guys that I kind of think that they'll get if they just close well, not even like a they hit a inside straight grand slam, flip these four guys, do all that, and they would have had around three 300 points or 3,000 points, which – is a top four class and by far better than anything Notre Dame's ever done. Um, two four sevens was lower with that same class because they're not as high on some guys as rivals is because of the composite thing, uh, which I think on three tends to jack some of that stuff up because of some of their insane rankings on some guys. But uh, I mean, they're on pace. They just got to close. But but offensive line, linebacker, and safety are the three right now that I'm most concerned about, and and yep. we need to see what kind of traction happens these next three months. Offensive line's a good one, man. That one definitely has gotten a little worrisome. There's no doubt. So. Well, not just from a not getting guys, but also an evaluation standpoint. There's been some yes. shaky things where I'm just like, I don't quite know see what that. you're seeing. <laughs> you know, and and so that's a little bit of a concern. But we'll see how we'll see how it finishes. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. P dub asks, would you look at Caleb Brown, the Ohio State transfer, even though wide receiver is not a, a really a need right now? I think that that's a tough one for me, honestly, P-Dub, because, I, again, like I actually did watch a little bit of Caleb Brown last night because I know Brian was high on him coming out of high school. But, I mean, we also had a similar conversation about because somebody asked about like Cody Epps from BYU as a guy that's in the portal, right? It's 
it's kind of the same feeling for me. And it's a little different because Caleb's younger, right? So he'll have a little bit more eligibility than what Cody Epps does because Cody Epps is going to be a senior coming up. Although I know he's, he's got, you know, he had the red shirt 2020 and all that type of stuff. So like, you know, that's conversations always there, but Caleb Brown's going to have more eligibility than Cody Epps. But for me, it's just, I'm excited where Notre Dame is man from a wide receiver perspective. I want to see Deion Colsey. I want to see Tobias Merriweather. I'm excited. I mean, we talked about Cody Epps earlier and it's just like, Cody Epps is a really talented player. I mean, he had 100 yards and two touchdowns against Notre Dame in their football game. But are, are you going to take out Jaden Thomas and Chris Tyree? Are you going to limit their touches if that's what you want to do? Because he's mostly an inside guy. So I, I think that Notre Dame is in a good spot. It's just been about development of the wide receiver position, which I think no. Chancey Stuckey is going to have you in a good direction. I, I just really think that I would be more okay with just staying pat with where you are and maybe taking a fourth wide receiver in 2024 if that's what the numbers allow you to do. I just don't think that the immediate bump from a, a Caleb Brown or a Cody Epps or someone like that, like I don't think that's enough to sacrifice a scholarship offer, like a scholarship down the road. Like I just don't necessarily feel that way. I love Caleb Brown as a player, Ryan. I do. The problem is, is if Notre Dame's going to bring in a receiver right now, it needs to be a guy that they know is going to is going to be a player for him. It's why the Caleb Smith one made sense. As much as I love Caleb Brown, he has one career catch. That's it. He was a true freshman this past year. So, you, you, why is he leaving Ohio State? Because he's. I mean, I would imagine it's because he's not going to play a whole lot. Well, it's not a given he's going to play at Notre Dame when you look at the fact that he would basically be starting over from scratch and he'd be a semester behind Braylon James and Rico and Jane Greathouse. And so it's not a given. And and as you mentioned, Ryan, slot is an impo- is a need for down the road, but it's not a need in 2023. And that's the issue. And and somebody on, on um, YouTube had said, hey, I'd take him because I have no faith in Deion Colsey. I'm like, well, that has nothing to do – one has nothing to do with the other because you're not putting him – where you're going to put Deion Colsey, the best argument you can make is, well, you bring him in, and this is fair, you bring him in, he plays the slot along with some other guys, and you move Jaden Thomas to the boundary because I don't have faith in Deion Colsey. Okay, fine. I don't agree with you, but that that would make some sense. Yeah. But I, I mean, but, but what has he proven? Like, this is the thing. We do this all the time as fans, right? We want the next freshman or young guy that's never played because we have seen this guy play and we don't like it. Well, you're arguing a known versus an unknown and assuming the unknown is going to be better than the known. And that's not always the case, right? So, well, Deion Colsey hasn't proven anything to me. Well, what has Caleb Brown proven to you? Has one catch for five yards as a true freshman. Deion Colsey had four catches for 60-some yards as a true freshman. I mean, what what are we doing here, right? It's just you've watched Deion and you've picked apart his game and for whatever reason, don't like it, don't think he's going to pan out. They're in the same grade. They're literally in the same grade. Or no, I'm sorry, they're a year apart. Or a year apart because because uh, uh, Caleb would have been in Dion would have been in Tobias Merriweather's class, but he's he's got one catch, one catch for five yards, and you're going to take him because you don't have faith that Deion Colsey, who is a played through is only played as a sophomore so far, freshman sophomore. You don't have faith in him. That's at least with Cody Epps, Ryan. We know what Cody Epps can do at this level. Yep. We see we saw him do it against Notre Dame, right? He's I mean, he, yeah, but it's just. To your point, does that really make a lot of sense? Does that make your roster better right now? Or do you stunt the development of guys who are more talented than him, in my opinion? And that's what gets tricky with it. That's why Caleb Smith made so much sense. And it is because he played that position where you are a little bit uncertain, you know, boundary, and he had a floor that you could you could deal with. Well, guess what? He got beat out by Deion Colsey. 
Yep. You know, so that's just the kind of that's just the reality of it. Matt McCarthy asks, do you think the staff has a preference between Young, Kedron Young and Anthony Carey, or do you think they'd take whoever would commit first? Uh, who do y'all think is a better running back? So I'm going to answer the first part, Ryan, and then let you address the second one. Uh, my understanding is the staff will take whoever wants to come first. They love both of those guys. Now, do I think that the staff has a slight preference over one or the other? I do. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't, I don't know for a fact, and I've never talked to Dylan McCullough about it, because I've never talked to Dylan McCullough. So I can't tell you. I can only tell you what, what this person told me, what this person told me. Uh, but what I know is they like both of those guys a ton, and they would not turn down one to take to wait on the other. If one of those yeah. two kids wanted to come, they would take them. Right? After that, it gets down to personal preference. So speaking of personal preference, Ryan, so that's I want to make sure that before we answer the question that people understand, the Notre Dame staff loves both of those kids. This I do know for a fact. Whether there is, in fact, a slight personal preference or not, I don't know the answer. All I know is everyone on the Notre Dame staff, as far as I know, is going to take you know, first one of those two guys to commit, in my opinion. Now, our personal opinion, Ryan, I'll let you start off. Which one do you think is better? I personally tend to agree with the staff on I'll take either one, but I do have a personal preference. What's your thoughts yeah. on that, both of those parts? I- I slightly prefer Kedron Young in this conversation because I I think that because they're very different football players, right? Like Kedron Young is listed between 210 and 220, depending on which recruiting platform you look at. Like he's a bigger back. Anthony carries more in the 190, 195 range as far as a runner. And I think that both of them bring very different skill sets to the table. I like, and I'll be very honest about this. Like we talk about biases all the time, right? Kedron Young is more my style of back. I, I definitely prefer his power profile, ability to work with contact balance and to be able to be a little bit of a pinball as a runner. And I mean, Kedron also has really nice down, like second gear as far as being able to create some explosive plays. So I prefer him slightly to Anthony. Anthony is a very good football player, though. Anthony Carey could play. There's no doubt about it. But for preferences, I do prefer Kedron slightly. And I also think that when you're talking about preference in a class you already have Aeneas Williams in the class who is a 5'10 5'11 195 200 pound back who's an all-purpose type back but not really a power runner in the same sense of what a Keedron Young is so I think potentially if you added Keedron Young to an Aeneas Williams as well I would just love that pairing man I think that their skill sets could really work together so well so I just think a preference for me is not only the fact that I like Keedron Young's style a little bit more traditionally but I also think that he would fit really well with Aeneas Williams, potentially. Number one, I think that Kedron Young versus Anthony Carey is essentially the argument of between Logan Diggs and and, and Audric Estime. Kedron Young is more of an Estime type, but faster, in my opinion. Uh, Anthony Carey reminds me a lot of Logan Diggs, but a little faster, right, honestly. So if you're talking about faster versions of the two kids you had last year, it's a win-win. To Ryan's point, I, my personal style, my personal preference is a Kedron Young because I'm an RPO guy. I'm a I love eleven personnel. I love zones. I love being able to run some counters. I be I love being able to run some concepts where I'm going to hammer you in between the tackles with a big speed back, and I'm going to then RPO you and throw the ball down the field and all that. That's just my personal preference. But if I were to, if you were to say, well, sorry, you have to take Anthony Carey, that's no consolation prize. That's right. a darn good football player. And, and they're both guys that fit what Notre Dame wants to do. Uh, it just, again, it comes down with a lot of things. It's just what's your personal preference. And I and I know other people that prefer Anthony Carey because of their personal preference. But at the end of the day, 
Ryan, it's this. This is the answer to that. Uh, who who do you prefer, Anthony Carey, Kedron Young? And my answer is yes. Right, I, I don't care. Give me either one of those guys, and that's a home run for Notre Dame, in my opinion. Home run. One out of the state of Texas, one out of the state of Florida, and both guys are rated as a top 100 recruit by at least one recruiting right. service. So you're, you're getting a good football player out of a state that you need to have an impact in if you're Notre Dame. I mean, that that is also gets us to another point, Ryan. You, you bring that up because it's just absolutely bananas. This is just why I have so many issues with the recruiting services is the way that they're ranked is just silly. Like Anthony Carey's ranked number 66 in the country by rivals. 247 and on three, who tend to have very similar rankings about a lot of kids, both have him as a three-star. And ESPN has him as a four-star, but outside the top 100. How do you watch Anthony Carey and you come away with three-star? Yeah. Makes me think you don't know what you're talking about and you don't know you don't know how to evaluate football properly. Then you look at Keedron Young and and they and 247 has him or on three has him as number 181. Rivals has him 213, but neither 247 or ESPN have him in their top 247 or top 300. Like what, what, what exact, is he too big for your liking? Does he, is he too fast for you at that he also size? For like almost 1800 yards last year. So he's right. also very productive. Right. <laughs> so yeah. at, at this point in time, I'm just like, man, I just, it's just a, it's gotten to be a joke at this point in time. Ryan. It's just, and so, well, no, that's why you look at the cumulative. No, the cumulative for Anthony Carey is going to be jacked up because you have two services just flat out way off on that kid. They're going to drag his ranking down. And that's why even that it's just it's gotten to be a joke at this point in time. Some of these things are just like, do you even try, are you even trying right now, or are you just purposely doing this to create? Like, I can understand if you don't want to have Anthony carries a top hundred back. I don't agree with you, but I'm cool with it. I understand. I, I get that some people like a little bit juicier, whatever the case may be. But to have him as a three star, yeah, are you serious? Well, it's, what it's like the, the kid yesterday that was offered by Notre Dame, Xavier Robinson, out of Oklahoma. That kid was also rated as a three-star, and I watched his film. I'm just like, that's not a three-star, guys. And he had like <laughs> he ran for like 39 touchdowns last year and had like right. 9.7 yards of carry. I'm like, right. I don't even care what the competition level he played against was in Oklahoma. Like, that's some right. freaky stuff, man. So, yeah, some of these rankings are terrible. It's man. silly, man. It's, it's just gotten really silly. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Cressman asks, who would be your second tight end if a possible hypothetically in this class, Ryan? It, it was. It's always been the same guy for me, Anthony. If there was a second tight end in the class, mine would be Carter Nelson out of the state of Nebraska, out of Ainsworth. I just, I think his upside is just so tremendous, man. And if you could, if you t- take second tight end in this class, I mean, that's a kid that I think down the line is going to be six foot four and a half, six five, two hundred fifty pounds, be able to run in the four fives and just be a incredible seam runner, a guy that can line up in the boundary, a guy you can line up in the slot, like. He could develop into one of the best tight ends in college football, I think, potentially, if he's developed properly. He's a seven-foot high jumper. He's a guy that's a 14-foot pole vaulter. This is one of those kids and a dynamic basketball player. Cardinals is one of those kids that's just good at everything he tries. So if he's developed properly, I think he's going to be a star on the college level. And that would definitely be my pick. If Notre Dame was to take a second tight end, it would be Carter Nelson for me. And I can verify that Ryan has felt that way from the minute he first saw Carter Nelson on film. I'm, I'm serious. Like, I remember yep. you texting like, dude, have you seen Carter Nelson? I just watched this film. This kid's unreal. So oh, Ryan real, has man. been on that a train from athlete. day one. Absolutely been on athlete. that train from, from day one. From and he just set up an official visit to Notre Dame for June. So. Yep. Yeah. Stories on ourspringdown.com. You guys should check that so. out. The Troll Hunter says, beardless Brian Driscoll. What, what have you done with the real bearded Brian Driscoll? Still same me. Same me. It just gets itchy sometimes, and I just got to – I just – that's what I do. Every 
month or so, I just got to chop it off and let it grow back out. And it grows back out pretty quickly. So, and I needed to give you guys something to talk about, you know, since you guys love talking about whatever shirt I'm wearing or hat I'm wearing or my facial hair, whatever. I got to keep you guys on your toes, man. You know, can't got to, you know, you start to expect, think, you know what you're going to expect when you show up for our show. And I got to throw a little something else out there. Ryan's got like some different background, you know, or I'm, or I got a different facial hair situation. Got to keep you all on your toes, man. That's what we got to do. I would love to see a uh, someone make a comic strip of bearded Brian Driscoll versus non-bearded Brian Driscoll. That would just is that, like, is that like Superman versus evil Superman? Is that kind of like what that is from back in the day? Yeah, the antithesis okay. of yourself. Yeah, yeah there you uh, go. <laughs> Beheart1074, how many kids is not even going to take in this class? Um, I'll just quickly answer this one. Right now, the plan is about 22, 23. It's going to go up depending on how certain things go. Ryan, I... They, I keep being told it's 22, 23. I have a really hard time not seeing this class get up to 25. When I look Agreed. at the roster and just what's on the board, if they're less than 23, I'd, I, I actually probably be a little disappointed and would wonder if they met all their needs, to be completely honest with you. I think they have to go a little bit bigger. And if that means, you know, some guys move on, that's just what happens anyway. I mean, right. who had who had Buckner, Styles, Diggs, and Kali all leaving on their bingo card at the end of the season. I had two of those guys on my bingo card for leaving, but not all four of them. And it's just the way that it goes. So prepare for it. Over recruit. I mean, you got to yes. be you got to be smart about. It. You don't you don't get to where you have like ninety eight guys, right? And then now you got to shave off thirteen. It's not what I'm talking about. But you can go you can go from twenty three to twenty five or twenty two to twenty five every year, in my opinion. I would shoot for twenty five just about every year, most years. And then every third or fourth year, you have that one that's a little smaller year because you've got a bunch of dudes coming back. But that's what I, I would do. Eric Santini says, I don't understand on three's recruiting team rankings. Notre Dame has three more recruits and a higher average than Florida State, but they are still below them. I, I still have not had anyone explain to me how their rankings work. I have no clue. No clue. So I don't, I'm not even trying to understand those rankings. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's not like a mathematical thing, right? Like no. it's got to be someone just saying, I like that class better. So I'm going to move I, I don't, up. Like I really don't know what subjective. it entails. Yeah. Because like, that's the thing is like, you, you could say like for some of these, I understand it. Cause like for rivals, for example, you could have the same number of recruits and the average star rating is similar. But if you have two, five stars, and two three stars but i've got nothing but four stars and we have the same number of commits and my average well let me say you've got two five stars and three three stars and i've got nothing but four stars my average ranking is going to be higher than yours same number of commits you're going to have a higher point total than i will because they put such a huge premium on five star versus four star and so that's what it boils down to for me. But some of those are just weird where like the numbers aren't even close. Like Notre Dame has more and a higher ranking and it just makes no more. It makes no sense. So I, I, I don't even look at there all. Must be, there must be some type of weight to like certain positions yeah. or something. Like there yeah, has to be I, something I don't like that. I don't, I've literally given up trying to figure it out to be completely honest with you. It's just not even, not even worth it. Uh, here's an interesting question from Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker. What's your favorite Rocky movie and why? Rocky I mean, two by a landslide it, for me. Yeah, Rocky two. To yeah. me, it's one and four. One because it's the original, and four because anytime you get to beat up a communist on, uh, you know, in a boxing ring in front of his own people in Russia, I'm a big fan. So yeah. Well, the first uh, four were all all excellent, man. So I don't yeah. think there's a wrong decision in the top four. I go with two because I feel like the first one was great. But there was a lot of like 
you have to lay down a lot of the storyline, sure. right? Relationships. Rocky yeah. two, you're just like, okay, cool. I know who Apollo is. I know mm-hmm. who Rocky is. We're getting that rematch, maybe, yeah. and that's all. Yep. And the courting process was over. He was now married to Adrian. I thought that relationship yeah. was really cool. So there was only what five Rockies, right? You had one, two, three, and four, and then Rocky Balboa recently, right? Because I don't five, I, and then Rocky nope, Balboa. Nope. Oh, Rocky, Rocky nope. Balboa's a thing, man. So Locked out of my head. I've seen it. I've Locked seen out. It. No, no. Rocky Balboa is five. That's what number five is. Nope. Mm-hmm. I, no, nope. There, somebody said something about Tommy Gunn. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not a real thing. That's not a real movie. That's not part of the Rocky legacy. So I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so <laughs> I treated you like a brother, Tommy. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Why? Why did you have to do that to me? Oh, okay. Let's get down to the bad. next one. Uh, Jai, it was awful. Uh, jo- he stole my room. Uh, Josh <laughs> Buffalo, motivational business banker. What defensive? Rec- this is a good one, Ryan. What defensive recruit is the most important? Not named Justin Scott. He's too easy to say. I think from, I mean, look, if no, if Notre Dame could close on Elijah rushing, then the answer is Elijah rushing in my opinion. Right. But I think of the realistic guys that I still think Notre Dame has a legitimate chance on. I think it's Kingston Viamuasa for me. Like that's the guy. I think that Mike linebacker is a sneaky position that you need to get some guys. In, and I think that he fits that playmaking Mike role potentially coming out of St. John Bosco and that's the other big thing is he's a highly ranked kid also coming out of St. John Bosco, one of the premier programs in high school football as well. So I think all that thing, all that combined together, I think Kingston is a very, very important recruit mm-hmm. in 2024. I don't disagree with what you're saying about Kingston. And I think that's a good answer, but I'm still going with, with Elijah rushing. And I'm going to go from a couple of different angles, right? Number one is I, they are in the game for there. I, I, I would disagree the notion that, that they're it's, he's not realistic, if you were to ask me to predict today, am I predicting Notre Dame? No, of course not. But I, I think a guy that's been on campus unofficially talks Notre Dame constantly and is going to take an official. It's hard for me to say it's unrealistic. I don't think they're going to get him as of today, but I certainly think they're in the game for him. But I'm going to go with it for a different angle, though. I'm going to say Elijah rushing is the is the most important because of what it would symbolize. I have no doubt that Notre Dame, if they have a competent linebackers coach, can recruit linebackers. Marcus Freeman has already shown that, right? What it would symbolize, if Al Washington is able to come back and get Elijah rushing, what that would mean for his improvement as a recruiter, and then if you get him and you get Justin Scott and you get Cole Mullins and Owen Wafel and Bryce Young to go with last year's group, now all of a sudden you're putting a big-time, talented defensive line on the field. But more importantly, I'm going into 2025 with far greater confidence they're going to keep it going because there's no way Al Washington is going to be able to get that kid into the class if he doesn't just turn into like just prove himself to be a dynamic recruiter or at least capable of it because it's going to be a hard one. And so I think that's why I'm going – it's not even – so no, I don't disagree with anything said about Kingston. He's the number one linebacker on the board, and I don't think there's a close second right now. But I think there's just so – for me, there's just so much more for the rushing one and what that would symbolize on top of give me a great D-line over a great line – a great defensive lineman over a great linebacker any day of the week in today's game, especially in Notre Dame because I know they can recruit linebackers. So that's how I feel about it. Yep. But your Kingston points were very, very fair. And I, I agree with everything you said about Kingston. He's a really good football player. And and sure and the, the the one there, Ryan, is – but the counter-argument to what I said, if, if I'm playing devil's advocate, is but to get into that league more, 
you get De La Salle last year, you go get a Bosco kid this year. Like, you know, maybe he can get a modern day, maybe next year with there's like, a, they've offered like seven kids from modern day in the 25 class. That would be the counter argument to there as well. Ryan yeah. would, would be that one. That, that, that 25 modern day uh, defensive class is wild, man. Nuts. Chuck, Chuck McDonald Nuts. and Abdul Sanders and Nasir Wyatt. It's just like, that is a yeah. silly, silly talented yeah. defense for, Modern day, yep. as it usually is. But yeah. I'm going to get a few more out of here because I do want to be done by six because at six o'clock, Ivy Nation Sports Talk is going live. Sean Styers is going to be going on there, so you're going to want to check that out. So we're going to try to get out of here as close to six o'clock, six o'clock as possible. Real quick, uh, Ryan, uh, I'll answer this one just real fast because it's a yes answer. Irish I Town is 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 Darren Dupree from Chicago still in the running? Yes. I don't think he's as high on the board as those other guys, but they are still recruiting him, and he's still on the board. I guess that was a little bit more than a yes or no answer, but yes with <laughs> yes with clarification. Mike I mean, Reddy I mean, says regardless, it was it, regardless it was a yes. It was yes. just you know you had to yes. expand a little bit. So. I didn't promise it would only be a yes. Exactly. Uh, would would uh, Gilbert and uh, would uh, Micah Gilbert and, and Jack Larson be used in similar ways? If you view Micah Gilbert as a big slot, you could use him and Larson in similar ways in some capacity. But no, I mean because Micah is going to be a guy that could throw into the boundary. You could put into the slot. Jack, although he is a little bit more of that flex style tight end, he's still going to be able to play in line a little bit, right? He's still going to play some wing, some H back. Like he's going to be used all over the place. But like in a one role, yeah, if you want to count both of them as like big slots at some point in the game, then sure. Yeah, they can be used in that similar capacity, but not all, all the time. Absolutely not. And that's true for anybody that's going to be a slot. I, I, I still view Micah Gilbert as more of a boundary guy, which makes them very different. Um, so I, there's certain route, con- like we've said, some of the, some of the routes that Michael Mayer ran last year are going to be taken by Jaden Thomas because Michael Mayer ran a lot of routes from the slot last year and 12 personnel. Well, that's now the Z, but it's not it. it so in, in that regard, yes, I could see something like that, but, but overall, no, because I think that starts getting into the whole, well, is he really a tight end type of thing? And that's not his game at all. It's not well, Jaden Thomas is a tight end according to some people. So <sighs> killing me jace uh, ryan this is a draft question for you from jason okay. rose uh, jason asks hey guys who's better entering 2024 so let's i'm going to ask you this two ways i'm going to ask the way he wants and then i'm going to ask you a, a secondary draft question okay. his question is hey guys who's better entering 2024 joe alt or olu fashanu i think he's talking about the draft correct yeah. so i'm going to ask you who the better prospect is but then I also want to get your opinion on who the better player is heading into 2023 on the field. So let's first take yeah. it from a drafting because being the better player on the field doesn't always mean you're going to be the higher drafted guy. Correct, Ryan? I mean, sure. I think that's 100%. 100%. Okay. So we, we yeah. agree on that. So uh, let's first talk about from the draft standpoint. As of right now, Ryan, who do you see as being the, the better draft prospect right now? I mean, I think they're going to be neck and neck, honestly. Like they both, I think they both have profiles where they make themselves very very attractive to NFL evaluators. Joe Walt is more on the being incredibly smooth, being incredibly technically sound, and having the size profile. 6'8", 315 pounds, father that played NFL football, played offensive line, made a pro bowl. He's got a lot of the bloodlines, and I think he's a more consistent player from a technical perspective. I will say this, though. I think there are going to be some teams that are going to value Olu Fashanu's raw tools a little bit more. Like that kid's a little bit freaky, man. Like he's one of those kids where 
he's like one of those 300 plus pounders that has like an eight pack. Like he's one of those kids. Right. So like there's going to be some teams that I think value maybe the upside a little bit more with an old Fashanu, but I would argue that as a draft prospect, Joe Walt's floor is much higher than Olu's, but Olu's upside might be higher than a Joe Walt's just because he's a, like Joe Walt's a little bit freaky too, as far as being size and being really smooth, but Olu's a little bit of a freaky dude, man, as an offensive lineman. So I, th- I think that they're both neck to neck and it's just really about what you value with the position and the consistency aspect, which I think that Joe Walt brings in much higher volume or the upside, which I think that Fashanu has a slightly higher upside than Olu. John Leahy asks, are there any needle movers or eventual even potential starters at safety in the portal? Uh, That's an easy one, Ryan. Yes, there are. There's a lot. But I just don't know if Notre Dame's going to have a shot in any of them. I mean, there's a lot of guys in the portal that would be needle movers or potential starters at safety in other positions, but I don't think those guys are right now. I don't know which ones are looking at Notre Dame. So, And Notre Dame is super, super, super secretive when it comes to their portal kids that they're interested in. Yes, I think they are. <laughs> I really don't think, I just think they don't want schools to know. Like I, They want a school to think, hey, we can go get this kid. We have to give him a lot of money. And then Notre Dame scoops in and just takes the kid. And they don't have time to, you know, oh, you're looking at Notre Dame? Cool. I know I, I got to outbid Notre Dame because Notre Dame won't make a guarantee. I think that's what they're trying to do, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, there's guys out there. I just don't know who, 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 the, who Notre Dame has a shot at right now. To be honest with you, did you see that the uh, the kid R.J. Moten ended up at Florida? Apparently, fine. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, you knew my stance on that one. That wasn't gonna, that one wasn't going to make a lot of sense for me uh, anyway. And then here's here's uh, here's one, Ryan. This I think this might be the last one. Let me just check here real quick. I believe this is going to be the last one. Okay. So uh, we'll move. We'll we'll wrap things up after this one. But I want to get to this one from John. If we get Elijah Rushing and Justin Scott, is there any way that Notre Dame reaches out to Keeley and says something along the lines of "You and Rushing off the edges would be unstoppable. Transfer to us." Uh, that's illegal. That's tampering. That's called tampering. Now I realize the NCAA does. Here's the thing: the NCAA does nothing about tampering right now. But you know, you know darn well the moment that they caught Notre Dame red-handed, as everyone else does it, that's when they come down. You know the NCAA would hammer Notre Dame more than they would anybody else. Y'all know it. We've seen it. We've seen it before. So uh, no, but uh, I'd say it. I'd say it to him. Hey man, <laughs> like it's not, it's not too late. It's not too late. <laughs> you can fix this problem right now. You know what I mean? So yeah, that would be uh, would be pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this one up here, Ryan. We have a super chat here from Wicked Bronco Productions. Saw we are heavily in, interested in Epps, the wide receiver from BYU. That's not accurate at all of their interest level, but okay, whatever. Uh, I don't know why. I like our class coming in and prefer the guys we have now, especially when we need a safety D line, maybe cornerback or linebacker edge any info. Let, let me just say this first, Ryan, and you can yeah. just because they're this kind of frustrates me a little bit. Is you hear fans say, well, why? Why are they offer this running back from so and so? Why are they looking to this guy? It's like it's called doing your job. It's called doing your due diligence. This kid comes from a school that decent academic school, a place we might have some success, maybe convincing him to come here. We played against him. He had some big plays against us. We saw a film of him when we prepared. He's a good football player. Let's just kick the tire, see where he's at. Because what if he were to say, "Hey, look, I'd love to come just be a leader and a role player for you guys, a receiver." Oh yeah, cool. Then you talk to him and you realize he wants to go somewhere and be the guy and you don't have that option for him. That's called doing your job. That's what yes. good coaches should be doing. They should be kicking the tires on kids at every position. And, and just, hey, maybe this kid might make us better. But just reaching out to a kid and maybe expressing interest, 
and, and wanting to talk more is not the same as being heavily interested. I think that's uh, uh, taken it way too far from what you and I have been able to to gather from this particular yeah. situation, Ryan. But uh, I, I mean, I think I think it's smart to do that, in my opinion, Ryan. I, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. But to me, I, I, there's not a position on the team. And if I heard they reached out to a kid who was a pretty good player, I'd be like, what the heck are you doing? You shouldn't even be talking to that position. There's not one at all, well, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, we just talked about the the fact that recruiting boards can expand so quickly, right? Because it's the fact that we're in the transfer portal era. Like, you could be a couple of defections on your roster unforeseen, away from being short on numbers at certain positions, right? So, like, yeah, I mean, you should be constantly doing your due diligence. As for the Cody Epps stuff, I was told by a source – pretty close to situation that there is a certain sec school that i think is going to be a potential landing spot for cody so if notre dame has reached out or they haven't or to what extent i think that's a little bit of a question but i, I think that there is a there is a clear favorite to land cody Epps. we'll just leave it at that for now and it ain't notre dame it's not notre dame no. but I, I don't i don't i don't think notre dame necessarily has tons of needs in the defensive line i don't think they really have needs at corner i don't i i mean linebacker sure i look they already got a transfer on the edge uh, you know I, I think they're good there i think the position right now that i would say that notre dame has a need a need is safety now i would consider if there was a running back out there that was cool being a just a part of the rotation maybe uh but you know, even there, you've got some really talented young players in this roster, Ryan. And this was your argument at receiver. Some really talented young players. Do you really want to stunt their growth for a one-year rental? Like Especially that guy would have Epps. to because be- Epps is a really good slot. Like I really like a lot of what he does in the game. But I mean, we you just moved Chris Tyree to slot, and you're really excited about him too, right? It's like Jaden Thomas, Chris Tyree. That's a pretty dang good duo in the slot potentially for Notre Dame. Who are you not? Who are you taking off the field to play Cody Epps? Like that's just kind of my conversation. I, I just don't think it's a need necessarily on this roster right now. Right. It, my my thing too, Ryan is look. Any chance you have to to add a guy that is a legitimate, significant upgrade, you look at. They don't have a need at guard, but if there was a big time guard out there that wanted to transfer, I'd look at him. Right. Sure. And they don't have a need at tight end, but if they're if Brock, you know, if Brock. Uh, I'm getting Brock Bowers would have jumped in the portal and said, I want to go play at Notre Dame. I want to break all Michael Mayer's single season records. Would I be like, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I would. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there, there's not a lot of positions to me that I look at. And like he said, we need a D line, a cornerback a lineback. I don't edge. Thank you. I don't agree with, I don't agree that those are needs. Those are positions where I have my eyes open. The only position right now that I see as a need is safety safety and arguably court quarterback arguably just an immersive guy but again i'm excited about the opportunity number one we're gonna we're gonna know for sure what steve angeli is all about who's right on that one are are people who think he's a legit notre dame cobber starter right or are we right who love the kid love his attitude i just don't see it as a guy that's gonna go win you a championship we're gonna know and now i want these reps for kenny minchie because here's the reality you go get a one-year rental to be a backup, and he takes all the number two reps. You're going into next season, and now you've got to go back to the portal again next year. And I'd rather not do that. Develop the kids you have. And that's the thing. The freshman and sophomore class in our name is incredibly talented. Develop those kids. I want to see what they have to bring to the table. Now we can figure out what the needs are after that. That's my two cents on that, Ryan. What say you? 
No, I, I think for me, like I, it, there's always a constant evaluation of the roster and that goes from college football and NFL. You're always looking to improve your roster in any way you can. And right. I think that if there is a situation where you can upgrade a position, I'm always going to be interested in that conversation. But again, I just feel like at slot receiver, especially in this conversation where we're talking about Cody Epps, just don't consider that a need. And is right. Cody Epps that much better than Jaden Thomas where I'm just like, yeah, I want to re- basically replace Jaden Thomas as the starter potentially at slot. Like I just or don't consider it to be it could that also player. mean – it could also mean you don't have faith in Deion Colsey and you're going to move Jaden to the boundary like he, you know, like like some like we talked about. Again, I don't see that as being an up an upgrade to me. Yeah. Like, so it's not just necessarily replacing Jaden. I get your point, the point you're making, the example you're making, but I just don't see that lack of faith for me. To coach up the kids you have, right? right. And 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 get with them and, and say, hey, look, man, here's the expectation. Because here's the thing: if Deion Colsey doesn't step up this offseason and you want to put, that's fine. You've got you've got Jaden Thomas can move over there. You've got Chris Tyree, you've got Rico Flores, you got Jalen Jane Greathouse, you got you've got uh, Braylon James. You've got options. You can go more twelve personnel. You've got options, right? Develop those kids. That's what I want to see, as opposed to just constantly getting these one year rentals. I'm good with one year rentals if it, in the right situation. I'm totally I was totally on board bringing in Javante Jean Baptiste. Smart Thomas Harper, great move. Sam Hartman, great move. Smart move. But another receiver, I just don't I don't see it, right? Running back, I understand it because of the injury history. But again, if those guys are all healthy, who who are you taking those reps away from for a one-year backup rental guy? Now, if a if a how say this, if a stud young player wanted to come at running back, like a freshman or something like that, who you think is better than the guys you have, okay, sure. But Cody Epps isn't that guy. And most of the guys in the portal, that or that guy, Ryan, are getting in the portal for a reason. And it's not because they're just looking for playing time. They're they're Bear Alexanders. They're guys that are Jordan Addisons. They're jumping in the portal for a payout, not because they see a better path to playing time. They're jumping in for a payout. And Notre Dame's just not going to do that. And I'm okay with them not doing that. So that's that's why I just don't see that that happening where those guys end up in Notre Dame. It's my two cents. So that's going to do it, everybody. Hey, it's six o'clock. So as soon as we wrap up here, right after you hit the like button, everybody, okay, you need to hit the like button right now. Subscribe to this channel, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards, boards at our right now in the comments. As soon as you're done with that, then head on over to IB Nation Sports Talk. They're going to go live here in a couple minutes. Uh, they're going to have another great show for you all tonight. Thanks for being with us tonight, everybody. Big pickup for Micah Gilbert. Ryan and I will be back tomorrow at a normal 1 o'clock time for our midweek rundown. We're going to have a lot of fun topics to talk about tomorrow for sure. So for Ryan and Brian, have a great rest of your night. Head on over to IB Nation Sports Talk show uh, Sports Talk right now, and we'll talk to you all again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. 